Welcome! Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast. Hey, Beckham's an absolute dog, isn't he? We're just going to jump straight into it. Thomas on the other side of the internet there. How much of a dog is David Beckham, Thomas? He's such a dog. I'd like to propose a new segment. All of our heroes are garbage. <laughs> All of our heroes are garbage. Uh, we want nominations for this too. Get in touch with us. Um, yes. Oh, if you've ever met someone and they were garbage or someone has had morals changed on you, they were like, how did they do yeah. that? E.G. Re- Cahill, Cantona, Zidane. Yep. You, uh, you really look up to someone. Someone was your absolute hero. And then it turns out they're just garbage, garbage people. So uh, what we got David Beckham. Have you, have we don't, you we don't met- have da- uh, We don't have David Beckham actually here. I'm sorry. No. That came out wrong. That Imagine was- if we did. <laughs> That'd be great. We'd grill him. Could you? Yeah. His publicist would be on the other end, just like, no, sh- sh- shut the fuck up. Like, he is like, it's the brain of a four year old child. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you're about to ask me if I had one, a nomination yeah. for. Yeah. Have you ever my met anyone? Garbage. Yeah. Have you met, met anyone, anyone that you idolize at some point and just at one point in your life? I can't, like, no, I can't think of any major ones personally, but I, what always comes to mind for me is how much as a kid you grow up, especially around cricketing people, raving on about Don Bradman. And then like you grow up and you realize Don Bradman's a fuckhead. <laughs> I didn't know this. Yeah. Like no one liked him. There's all the stories out there. No one liked him. Hell good at cricket though. Good stick. So yeah. What does it matter? Now, yeah, is it, it? Was, was it kind of like a Michael Jordan situation where he was so great, no one could match him. So he just, he put himself no. in a different level. No, he was just a jerk. Uh, I don't know. I think just an outright jerk, which that's to me, that's to be honest, that's a cricketer thing. That's uh, you know, the better you are, the more of a dick you are generally in cricket, I guess, except for Steve Smith. Maybe he's probably the exception. Cause you know, stories come out, we're getting off track, but stories come out, you know, Steve war, all the big boys that, you know, they got a bit of, they got skeletons. Well, I've got an anecdotal tale here. My grandfather used to be a taxi driver. And he yep. once uh, he once had to pick up members of the Australian cricket team. Oh yeah. Okay. He may be a little biased because he is an Englishman, and yep. um, Botham's Ashes he used to play to me on repeat. So <laughs> I mean, I guess that's where that's where it kind of sits for him. But he, by all testament, he said they were absolute garbage human beings, <laughs> and I could believe that. <laughs> oh, we're setting ourselves up for some lawsuits here, aren't we? Yeah, well, how is defamation law in Australia? I love it's, a bit it's, of it's weak, isn't it? I love a bit of defamation on a on a Thursday night, slash Friday morning. Don't name anyone, and if we put allegedly at the front, we're all good. Well, allegedly, Don Don Bradman was a shit bloke. <laughs> and right now on this show, we are saying that allegedly David Beckham is a shit bloke. I, so, do we even have to allege it? I mean, listen to what he said. He described on. the decision in two thousand and ten because he was an ambassador for England's World Cup bid, which was obviously grouped up for 2018, 2022, when Russia pipped him. Yeah. He described it as sickening. Sickening. I guess uh, 277 Australian million dollars would uh, cure any kind of sickness, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean. It's a lot of money. You can fund a lot of cures for that. He was right. It was sickening. And now he is also sickening. He's He's in the pact. Yeah, nah, just this is highly disappointing. I just the same as like the you mentioned Tim Cahill before, another one heroes that turned out to be garbage. Like, he is also an ambassador for the Qatar World Cup, is he not? Yeah, and beyond as well, he's involved with a lot of different things. Yeah, he uh, this is a guy who like released a book about himself called Legacy while he was still (laughs) playing. Like, how how full of yourself do you need to be, Tim? Huh? You and Bex can go piss off. Stay in Qatar with your Qatar money, your dogs. They've essentially volunteered to be the first against the wall. Yes. Are you insinuating uh, like gunslinging executions? Of- no, 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 no. Okay. No, no. No, it no, sounded I- like you may have. No, I'm talking about my new calendar coming up. All my heroes are garbage. <laughs> the backdrop is just going to be a red brick wall. No splatters. All right. Shall we talk about some football? And uh, should we talk about not heroes that are garbage? 
Well, I mean, uh, are we going to talk about European giants that are garbage? We can talk about European giants that are garbage because today was, well, this week's been the week for it. There's a few. We've got Brilliant. three. There's three big ones this week we're going to talk about. We'll start off quickly. Bayern going down 5-0 at home this morning. Uh, not at home, sorry. They were away. Going down 5-0 to Borussia Mönchengladbach. How? I don't know how. How? Why? Can anyone explain? I don't know how. I don't know why. I just know when this morning. (laughs) And people will say, look at that and go, oh, like I did. So I woke up, saw the score, and I went, oh, Bayern lost 5-0. It was the DFB Pokal, so the German Cup. I thought, oh, yeah, they've obviously, you know, played the kids. Yeah. But, you know, know, on FIFA, when you get a cup round, the League Cup, and you're like, oh, Youth Academy, call up. Have a, a bunch of run. Teenagers. Have a run, lad. Give it your best, son. Give it your Cheers, best. Gaffer. Gas him um, up pregame. Yeah. Guy goes out, gets a 5.8. Yeah, no, nah, they they sent it this morning, Bayern. They had full squad out there, including that um, jail avoiding Lucas Hernandez. <laughs> but they they got absolutely Rick rolled. Rick rolled. Yeah, they got glad backed. They got glad backed. They got glad backed back to Bayern. It makes you wonder. I mean, it's it's a little wonder why Europe's heavyweights were so keen to join the Super League is so they didn't have to suffer this kind of a humiliation. Yeah. I um I watched the highlights. Obviously I don't I don't get up at 4 a.m. to watch German Cup. It's just not in me. Oh um, that's the commitment. Come yeah, on. I know. What a loser. Our listeners are crying. they're crying. <laughs> Our four listeners are crying. <laughs> um no, but I watched the highlights and it was absolutely going off. It was absolutely going off there. The fans were just delirium. It was just, yeah, delirium. And then they showed at halftime, they showed Oliver Kahn on screen, just looking glum and sulky, like being the big baby that he is um, with this. Another one, like, is he heroes that turned out to be garbage kind of territory? Who, who was, who had Oliver Kahn down as their hero? I don't know. People in Germany. Come Germans. On. We oh, don't have right. to go too far back for their heroes and discuss where they lay their allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. But, you know, like, um, have you ever seen all those, like, videos people always post of, like, Oliver Kahn, like, his yeah. team lets in a goal and he, like, runs out, like, being real dramatic and jumping everywhere with arms and, like, pushing his defenders and screaming spitting and screaming in their face and stuff and like oh you know he's just so passionate bro that's the passion is that passion or is he just a dickhead no it just fuels his drive to win can you not yeah understand that yeah sure (laughs) he's just a big baby yeah uh speaking of like panning to people in the in the stands did you see the great cutaway uh was it sky or bt it doesn't matter of Sir Alex Ferguson looking on glumly at Old Trafford, pan to Kenny Dalglish laughing maniacally. I did see this and I'm glad you mentioned it because this brings us onto the second of our Giants this week. Man United, so-called Giants, absolutely humbled at Old Trafford. Humbled. Sit down. Humbled is maybe a kind word for them. You think? I, I think they've already been humbled. They've, they've they've transferred into the realm of shambolic now. It's it's a circus. It's, it's hilarious. That is fair. Um, so this, uh, did you watch this game? I did watch this game. It's great man. delight, man. Yeah. A very, like a mix of uh, United, absolutely terrible, but Liverpool was scary good at the same time in patches. Yeah, there's been, um, there's been, not a lot said about Liverpool in the wake of this, which is, I mean, that's testament to where we are with Man United right now. Um, but they're the only unbeaten side left in the Premier League. Yep. Uh, Virgil van Dijk is pulling stats like he was doing in the championship season, uh, the premiership season. And, uh, you know, Salah is just otherworldly, 15 goals in 12 games. Like, Yep. Um, yeah, my boy, my boy Luke Shaw. Got a Did bit a of number an ab- on you. Got an absolute carving up, didn't he, by Mo Salah? But who hasn't this season? That's all I would say to my boy Luke is just uh, head up, son. Salah's gonna rip 
many are left back apart, maybe yep. except Kieran Tierney because he's too good. Yeah, but, uh, um, yeah, that was a joke, by the way. Don't take it seriously, please, <laughs> Liverpool fans. It's okay. But, yeah. Best in the world. It's cool. We acknowledge it. And then uh, United come out this week and say that they're going to stick with Oli for a bit. For a bit, at least for Spurs and Man City, um, which is great. Great entertainment for all of us. Great content. Do I they... can see them winning one of those. Spurs? I can see them beating City. There's a huge call. Just be one of those one of those stupid football things that happens, you know? Ronaldo scores a hat trick. You, know, you get to the derby. Oh, you know, derby. His, like, form means nothing in the derby. And then, like, because we do know, like, whatever happens, Man United still do have the individual players to just get a result. Yeah. Um, they just didn't show up the other day. Or yeah, Liverpool seen, didn't give them a chance to. We've seen it in the Champions League. Uh, I don't even think Liverpool really got out of second gear. They, they scored four identical goals. They obviously identified the weakness yep. and exploited it time after time after time. It just it looked very methodical and like they did it in training during the week. It was very casual, wasn't it? Very Which casual. I, is, yeah, I guess that's... Yeah, you've got to be careful with these. I know we love laughing about how bad Man United were, but also giving the credit to Liverpool. Uh, we've both got them in our top two this season, don't we? Which one? Or Liverpool. top three, Liverpool. Yeah. I had them third, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think because uh, we both had Chelsea top. But, you know, now, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah. The other thing I just I had a good laugh at was uh, after the game when there was rumors of Oli getting the sack. And uh, he said in his press conference that um, they've come too far and they're too close now to give up. Too close to what, bro? <laughs> What are you too close to, Ollie? What are you too close to? Like, mid-table too close, mediocrity? Too like, close to missing out on Europe? Like, what? I don't understand. Clown. It was crazy. There was heaps of weird post-match analysis of this game. Did you see what Paul, Paul Scholes had to say? No, I didn't. Enlighten me. He described the result as nail-biting, which I thought was really <laughs> odd, given the discrepancy in the quality on the pitch. Hmm. There's still a massive amount of delusion going around that club, isn't there? I guess it's it's difficult to analyze a match though when you've got your daughter's toes in your mouth for, throughout. So uh, that surely does that put skulls in the category of like heroes who are garbage? It does. I mean, which of the class of if anyone had now? if anyone had skulls as a hero, like is that like can't be keen. He's a garbage bloke. Everyone knows that. Gigs, garbage. Gigs, a garbage bloke. Skulls Beckham. sucked his daughter's toe. Like, she's a grown adult. So <laughs> I don't know where, I don't know where that stands. She obviously consented. So there's no drama there. I guess if, it's you're, just... if you're a Man United fan and you hear this uh, and Skulls is one of your heroes, let us know if you think he's garbage or not. He can still be your hero. You can just, you just got to admit he's a garbage bloke. Let us know. Or at the very least, some beatnik freak parent. Yeah. It's real weird, isn't it? All right. Can I move on to the third Please. giant killing of the week? Please. People will be shocked at this result. Labagasted, I heard. They will be absolutely shocked to know that this absolutely massive club went down was it seven or eight nil? Seven nil this week. Seven nil. The Giants, the big canaries of Norwich, got absolutely thumped by the Minnows Chelsea at the Stamford Bridge. Seven nil. Wow. Who saw this coming? <laughs> you know what? I had minus Chelsea minus four in my bet slip. Not even a lie. I didn't put it on, but I had it in my bet slip. Really? Should have. Should have <laughs> thrown it in. There was a lot of people that triple captain Mason Mount the weekend just gone, and they were very right. Yeah. Did you uh, did you catch any of this game? Did you see it? I saw the highlights. There's no need to watch Norwich games because you know what the result is going to be. Well, I watched the full game and oh. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Pleasurable. Yeah, it was good to watch because Chelsea are just so good to watch uh, when they play like that. Um, no, they just they were just so. It helped that Norwich were absolutely appalling. Like they were disgusting. But at no point did um 
Chelsea ever take the foot off the throat. They just kept going for the kill. They're and that was like, you know, what they were missing like Lukaku and Werner. They played with Havertz up front and he had very little impact on the game at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mount ran the show. Uh, Jorginho was Jorginho. Kovacic next to him is criminally underrated sometimes. Um, I don't know if he's underrated. Um, he just, I guess he, he just has these moments in him where he's so much better than you kind of remember him being. I think he's certainly had a more consistent season this time around and he's yep. definitely flourishing under Tuchel and he, de- he has a role and he's fulfilling it. I think every time he plays. Yep. yep. And then like, um, like they got like Chilwell was an absolute weapon. Isn't he? Goal um, scorer too. He's banging in goals. Um, yeah, this this side another one like they're just so scary when they're when they're on it, banging in goals for absolute fun. Um, the penalty I had I had a good chuckle at the penalty because like <laughs> I don't know why I don't know why they even needed VAR to check it, um, but it was just funny. Like, and then Cruel saves it <laughs> like six nil down. He <laughs> saves a penalty <laughs> and then they have to retake it because he's off his line. Like. <laughs> Oh Just man, let him have it, man. He's oh. gonna have nothing this season. Let him have this one moment, man. That was funny, but yeah, that's all I've really got on that. Was yeah, Chelsea are incredible. Do you think there's an argument to trash? Do you think there's an argument maybe Lukaku is detrimental to the way Tuchel sides play? And we've seen them now play with the false nine, and it's opened up a more fluid attacking presence, no, or no. is it just Norwich and garbage? <laughs> Norwich and garbage, nothing to do with no Lukaku. Um, Lukaku can do that role fine. That's him. He's... Yeah, but I thought I thought Jonathan Wilson made a good point, and he he described it as Lukaku's Chelsea teammates are out there knitting a sweater, and he's kind of just looking on, waiting for a break in play or the ball to fall at his feet. I was... Honestly, if you watch like if you watch the game on the weekend where they had Havertz there instead of Lukaku, it was basically like. Habit, like I said, Habits was non-existent. Barely touched the ball. We didn't do anything. Like um, Lukaku can, I could do it if you want. If you want me to run out there, Chelsea, and do nothing, I could do it. Could I you could last night? And take, I guess it's just one of those things where the striker in these games, um, the only thing he's really going to be able to get onto is stuff like in the box because they're sitting so deep. Yep, and he's occupying defenders. Um. And that just frees up other players. So I don't think it's detrimental at all. I think they're good enough. We've seen them plenty of other games this year anyway. Turn it on, be good enough. Um, Lukaku's probably not going to score as many goals as he did in Italy, but there's a bigger... I think Chelsea are looking at the bigger picture here and they're you know, they're looking for a league title. Um, you'd rather have Lukaku than not, for sure. True. Yep, 100%. True, true, true. Did you... um? Did you see Everton Watford on the weekend? I did not. What a wild result. Everton looked like they were cruising to a win, only to get thumped in the end. And uh like a last 10 minute onslaught. Has like God help us all if Ranieri turns Josh King into Jamie Vardy. That's all I can say. <laughs> what a weapon that would be. Nah, fuck no. He just <laughs> Everton's defense was just so non-apparent. It was it looked like Sunday League football the way, the way they were defending. The amount of space and the amount of time the Watford attackers in the last 10 minutes had to just run freely at goal was unreal. Yeah. You, you probably won't see it again this season. I think it's maybe an aberration of a result. Yeah. Um, that's like also... Uh, was a hat-trick for Josh King? His, yeah, um, hat-trick, yeah. Like his, we talked about him the other week the, in the Newcastle game where he scored a tap-in that got disallowed. Yeah. And it would have it would have been like his first goal from open play in like thirty odd games or something, um, and then he just rocks up with a hat trick. So he said he woke up feeling hungry. So I mean that's it, right? Maybe he didn't for the previous thirty. Ah, so you don't eat dinner the night before. That's what it is. Yeah, that's the key to yourself. scoring to scoring a Premier League hat trick is to not eat dinner the night before. Did you know, Sam? Watford's last five EPL away wins have come under five different managers. That's that's crazy. Yeah, isn't that just a bonkers stat? Yeah. Uh, I, I won't ask you to name any of them because, frankly, who cares? 
<laughs> yeah, we're not doing this. We're not no. quizzing. Okay. You yeah, no. Nah. God, don't fuck it. Who cares? Yeah, you're right. Who does care? What an. It's just an insane stat. Yeah. All right. Anything else on Everton Watford? Because that's no. a that's a fizz about. Yeah, seven goals would have been good to watch. I missed it. Um, how about this one? You wanted to talk about Palace and Newcastle just because of the old Eric Banner in the crowd. Hey, great shout out. Uh, yeah, unconcerned by the football. Who gives up? You know, I'm not even sure of the result, to be perfectly honest with you. But it, yep. was the, it was the banner that caught my attention. Did you see the banner in the stands? I did, and I've forgotten. It was so good, it was referred to the Metro Police. <laughs> it what? <laughs> there was an investigation opened upon the banner that was displayed, and it basically just outlined all of the hypocrisy and the corruption of the uh, the alleged corruption of the Saudi investment fund. Yeah. And it kind of depicted, you know, a guy in Arab dress beheading somebody as well. Oh, right. With a well, lot of go. lot of faceless Newcastle fans in the background chanting, we have our club back. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what to say. I feel like we've said it all. Yeah. Are we going to see this every week though? Is, is it going to uh, be I think we're going to see it a lot when teams play Newcastle, not when they play Man City or yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Arsenal or Liverpool or Man United. be ironic if one of the, some of those clubs did it, but Could see it I happen. don't know. I don't know. Like it's tough if you're in a position where you follow a team like Palace. Um, I would say that those fans that had that banner, it's not, it's not jealousy. No. But also, like, what's we've talked about this before, but like with Premier League football, like, what's the end game for half of these clubs? You're well, never going to win anything a, unless you have money, yeah. corrupt money. There's a sidebar to this because one of the Palace owners, his investment fund where he made his money, has received money from the Saudi investment. Firm. Yeah, right. And so, in a way, there is a slight tinge of hypocrisy for a Crystal Palace fan to hold that banner up, which again, just uh, it rounds it back to your point. It's, it's very just, slight. Yeah, it's, it's very slight, but at the same time, uh, there is hypocrisy in everything. Yeah, in yeah. Because all it's, of this uh, is funded through, you know, just magnanimous wealth. I would say just that's just the modern world. It's easy for us all to be hypocrites because, mm. you know, one issue... You take issue with something, then you're, you know, you're for it in another sense. Um, I think it's really tough when you're like, as fans of a club, like, you know, would we stop going to watch Adelaide United if it turned out that our owner was like, you know, well, we don't even know who our owners are, but you know, like, you know what I mean? Like if. Is that worse? That's probably worse. We have no idea where the money's coming from. I mean. But that's, but that's my point is like, I'm still going to go watch Adelaide United no matter who's in charge of it, you know? So, um, I don't know. Like you just, it's hard for fans because football for a lot of these fans, that is like their thing. That's their livelihood. Yeah. That's what they do. Um, would you just throw it away because of some rich guy that owns it? I think it's easier for fans on this side of the um, whatever ocean this is, separates us because you can easily drop a team as easily as you picked it up for the guys, for the, you know, the Geordies, the actual season members, the ticket holders. Yeah. Very difficult. But you know, for us on the other side, you know, where they, the, the whole reason the Saudi fund is in there because they want to spread their name and their word and wash it into the world. Yeah. We are, we are actually the people that should be dropping them. Not yep, the yep. guys that go there every week. It's us that should be rejecting the Newcastle takeover. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Uh, what have we got? So you got nothing else on the English first division this week? That's about nah, it, isn't it? The first is, it was pretty processional. We don't need to wrap everything, yeah. Uh, Villa were really bad against Arsenal. Uh, Leeds weren't great, but savaged a point. I guess that's it. Yep. Fair enough. All right. You wanted to talk about the mess that is France, Ligue 1. Ligue 1. My favorite league in Europe, without yeah. a doubt. The, um, 
It was the Le Classique on the weekend. Yep. Marseille versus PSG. Yep. Uh, the, it was nil-nil. And I guess you look at nil-nil and you think, ball draw? Kind of. But in another way, there was so much drama on the pitch. There was no way you could describe this game as boring. Did you catch yep. any of it? I caught... Uh, the only bits I caught of it were like the kind of quick posts I kind of scrolled through on Facebook about crowd trouble, uh, which is a common theme at these games. Yeah. Yeah. That's always going to permeate with Marseille fans, no matter where they go. Yep. I thought I thought the crowd trouble wasn't as, it wasn't as massive as the Nice game, obviously, or no. the first game. Uh, I can't remember who they played against there where they had, they had a big trouble there. Yeah. Uh, more of the trouble was on the field with VAR just we haven't really criticized referees and VAR in a while but I feel like we're going to reach that point this weekend because there's been a few incidents there was none more apparent in this game um, where it looked like Marseille scored a very fair goal in the first half um, only for it to be ruled offside because the guy's shin his raised shin in a running motion and just, but picture this: he is, he's on the, he's on the right wing, looking down the line. He is so free. He is in like 10, 15 yards of space. Yep. And what they've brought it back for is the guy that received the ball and ended up playing the cross that led to the goal. His raised knee in a running motion was caught offside. Yeah. And even then, the lines were dubious to say the least. Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it, so I can't really add anything to that. But you know, you know how I feel about those sort of offsides. If a man's raised knees anyway, a clear attacking threat, then you know, please write into us, and we'll let you know how incorrect you are. Because there will be, you know, as always, though, there will be people that say offside is offside. Like you know, the rule's <laughs> clear. You know, any part of you that's behind the like, it's just like I don't know. Yeah, it's just one of those things that made no difference to the goal being scored, his knee being in an offside position. You know, yeah. It felt like they were trying to even it up because Neymar was given a VAR offside goal previously, about 10 minutes earlier. Um, Did the linesman was, flag it? The linesman didn't flag it, no. Okay. Um, but I felt the Neymar goal was definitely offside. Close yep. again, but certainly offside. Um, and, you know, to cap it off, a poor refereeing performance, uh, Hakimi got sent off after much deliberation. He initially, the referee gave a handball on Chengiz Unda, who Hakimi fouled. He gave a handball on the guy because Hakimi shoved him onto the ground and the ball cannoned <laughs> into his arm. It wasn't even like that situation where he grabs the ball because he feels yeah. No, Hakimi just shoved the guy onto the ground and the ball's ricocheted into his arm. The referee's called handball. And it took minutes of VAR to review it, piss in his ear, tell him to come and look at the TV. And he he just frowned over it for like a minute, thinking, oh, Jesus, I've got this wrong, haven't I? Finally went back into the center, gave Hakimi the red card. And it was definitely a red card because he's yep. just, he's fouled a guy clear on goal. So yep. um, Marseille, probably the only sticking point I can have with them is they didn't make the numerical advantage there, uh, you know, they, they didn't capitalize on it whatsoever. They only had one yeah. shot on goal for the game. And really, given the circumstances, they probably should have won this at home. Yep. Um, it paints a bit of a picture of the French league, really, in that, like, I feel like we've had lots of weeks where we talk about PSG not being very good or being really average, just managing to scrape a win in or dropping points. But then you look at the table and they're already well ahead because yeah. none of the other teams are good enough to consistently string points together. Yep. And that's going to be a, definitely a feature of the season. This was the first draw that they've PSG have had. Um, they've only lost one game outside of this. So, yep. you know, Marseille were my great white hope to, to topple them this season. Uh, it's going to require a lot for them yep. to, to overhaul this advantage already. Yeah. All right, we'll do a quick little bit of Ange Watch, hey? Ange Watch. Just quickly. We just our got boy, a for now. Our boy Ange, Bostokoglu, his Celtic side, 
Uh, we won't just talk about Celtic, obviously. We'll talk about Rangers as well because mm-hmm. I know we have some Rangers listeners and they love it when they they love it when I talk about Rangers and Did talk they? about them being good. Yep. Do you want to pigeonhole this for a sec and just give our respects to Walter Smith that passed away during the week? Sure. Legend. Yeah. Respect. Yep. Great manager. Yeah. All the teams, I think, across Scotland had minutes this morning. Did they? There you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, for that. Um, but yeah, this league is uh, well and truly alive at the moment when I thought it was going to be a pretty one-way street for the Jers. Um, but they've dropped a few points in recent times. And I guess the main reason we wanted to do Ange Watch this week is because he's copped a, you know, a fair bit of criticism, uh, as was expected, given the slow start. And we kind of knew that Ange, any Ange team can get off to a slow start while he implements his his tactics and gets his squad together, works out who's who. Um, but they've got it together now. Celtic back within a couple of points of Rangers after this morning's games where Rangers drew two all with Aberdeen. And uh, also, interestingly, I just noticed uh, Celtic have a goal difference of 19 Massive. Compared, to, uh, compared to Rangers nine, which was surprising. Huge given, goal difference. Yeah. Well, I, can, I consume a fair bit of Celtic content podcasts and whatnot and i feel like every week we're talking about how we struggle to create chances and score goals but all of a sudden yeah 19 uh, plus 19 goal difference to rangers nine uh things aren't looking as grim at the moment so definitely not four consecutive wins um genuine contenders all of a sudden genuine Um, contenders yeah you know the doom and gloom it's definitely uh it's a dizzying seesaw in the in the scottish media as well um but you know on, on what you said about Ange, and he, he did cop a lot of flack and he does cop a lot of flack, do you think he copped more than Steven Gerrard did despite, you know, Ange said in a press conference, he's like, I've managed at a World Cup. I just, I don't understand why you're putting all of this shit on me. He felt it was unfavorable and it probably is. He holds the record for the most unbeaten games in Australian Premier, you know, Australian football history, yeah. basically. So well, that just comes back to... Uh... Uh, Scotland not rating Australian football or anything or, outside of Britain or rating Japanese football because even in uh, the Celtic pod, some of the ones I've listened to where they're, you know, talking about signing a guy from the Japanese league, like we've said it on here before, but like you're fucking Scotland. Like, yeah. <laughs> who are you to be criticizing the J league? You're Scotland. The guy and then they scored again today. Kyogo Furuhashi, the signing from Vissel Kobe in Japan, which Huange brought with him, uh, banging in goals. Um, but yeah, and I think on to your point about Steven Gerrard, I think when Gerrard took over, uh, they had a, I'm pretty sure his first year was a bit of a disaster early on. But, you know, Rangers weren't considered to be in a position to okay. be challenging Celtic. Okay. Um, they were still getting to grips with coming back up to the top flight after their. Um, their mishap and um but gerard got them up and running you know um and everyone saw the writing on the wall that they'd be able to challenge celtic if celtic didn't manage to kind of get their shit together and keep ahead the way they had been um and as we saw with them getting neil lennon for the extra season turned out they just weren't good enough um mismanaging the squad and stuff like that so now they're basically in this position doing a massive rebuild with Ange. Uh, they've got like something like 11 new players in the squad that are all playing and, you know, taking part in these fixtures and stuff. He's brought Rogic back into the squad, like, well, oh. back into the starting lineup. Has he um, just great? Yeah, he's, he's very hit and miss, Big Tom, though. Um, there's what Ange is good at, though, is selecting players for certain fixtures. So he won't just play the same 11 against each team, no matter what, because he'll recognize when a certain player maybe can't perform against a certain type of defense um, and then won't use them. But then he'll recognize a game that might be a bit more open where Tom can get on the ball a bit more in space. And we saw Rogic get on the ball this morning and whiz past a few defenders, slide one through, Played like the like the secondary assist we always talk about yeah. the ball before the assist yeah um but yeah that's Scotland that's a bit of Ange watch that's Scotland I had one Rangers stat I'm beaten at home since March 2020 yep 
no, they're flying. Obviously, an unbeated season last year. So, yeah. enviable yep. record that one. It's yep. definitely a fortress. Yep. Um, if Celtic want to win uh, the title, like they will have to go to Ibrox and win a game. I think. Massive. You know, unless be- they, you know, unless they settle for a draw and win both home old firms, but you know, it's too dicey. They'll probably have to go win one at Ibrox if they want to win this league. So. I, I think it's very much still the ball in Rangers court, but For sure. long way to go. Long it, way to go. It definitely makes that the biggest game of the season, though. Yeah, which I think is pretty much expected most years, isn't it? Yep. Sure. A bit boring when you look at it like that, isn't it? Uh, in a sense, I think you make concessions with Scotland. Yeah, I guess. Let's go talk about El Clasico. El Clasico. Face-off between two ex-Everton managers. Well, or the non-El Clasico as it was. I just, yeah. Where, where is the star power of this? This was the first you one. You tell me. First one without Messi and Ramos since 2004. Wow. Both captains of their clubs. It just, it kind of, it lacked that star-studded affair. And then you look at the table and you think, is this actually a game that is going to determine the winner? Is this, is this a game that... It, holds any weight maybe and it probably doesn't at the does moment. it and is it i don't think it does at the moment no because i mean barcelona languishing in ninth position at the moment real madrid are top by all means but i think real madrid are gonna win it yeah there's a six point gap between real madrid and barcelona in first and yeah. ninth at the moment so there's a lot of opportunity for the sides below them as well to get at these teams they're obviously not as strong as they've been probably in the last 20 years and atletico madrid must be rubbing their hands together but also Sides like Real Batiste that are having a really good season, currently occupying a Champions League spot as well. Yep. This is diverting from the El Clasico, which was a decent game of football, not the greatest game I've ever seen. Um, it was split open by Alaba's just insane goal. And it's, it's insane because the finish is great, but also he starts the move in left back too. And so his work rate and his intensity to get forward and beyond any kind of marking wide midfield of the Barcelona had the fullback was occupied by uh, Benzema, who was just in Balloon d'Or form. Maybe there's a big campaign in Spain for him right now to try and win Ooh. this. Yeah. Well, we'll see what comes of it, but it was definitely Alaba's moment that split the game open. Um, there was two late goals. Real Madrid sealed it in the 94th and then Aguero popped up in the 97th to get one back. Nice yep. to see him nab a goal. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh- you know, it would probably impress his, it, it may impress his new manager, given that Ronald Coleman got the sack this morning. Yep. Um, so like just looking at the table now, I'm realizing that like there's like four teams tied for first in La Liga. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. tight right now. Yeah. Yeah. Real Madrid, Sevilla, Real Betis, Real Sociedad. Sevilla always generally in the mix. Remember last year they came. It was With so four good. games to go, everyone thought it was a three-horse race, but they were still they were there. They were right in the mix. Um, but I I don't know. This looks like one of those seasons where Real Madrid are probably still going to be top two because they've still got enough individuals to get results. And obviously, Karim Benzema has been a freak lately. Um, all the big boys dropped points this morning in Spain, though, like Real Madrid, Barca, Atletico, Barca. Uh, I guess just shitting the bed completely with their 1-0 loss to Rayo Vallecano and seeing Komen out the door. Yep. Man is gone. He looked out of his depth probably from, I don't know, the fifth minute of his press conference. Yep. <laughs> when they announced his signing, it's just, it was not going to work, I don't think, this time around. He's yeah. not like a rebuild manager. He's a guy that he come in, if you've got a group of players who have talent, he can do the thing, but... This is not it. Um, if my memory serves me correctly, I believe he was like pretty public about when he got the job, how much he'd always wanted to coach Barca. Yeah. Former a, you know, it's a job he's always kind of wanted. Um, I bet he didn't think he'd get the opportunity in these sort of circumstances. Yeah. Wrong time for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Very um, much the wrong time. Not the guy equipped to, to deal with these kind of circumstances. So no. And then I guess, uh, you know, obviously I'm not sure if it's 100% confirmed yet, but Xavi. Is he the man? Is he the man? Because is this the right time for him? Probably not. 
<laughs> Probably not. You would want to bring Xavi in two years down the track, I would say. You, it'd will, be he, good. will Xavi not be given the chance to stick around for two years until well, things are better, though? Exactly right. He could be given the, the Ollie treatment and given an elong, elongated period that he could show his stuff. Uh, I don't know. If Barcelona miss out on Champions League, will they s- stick with Xavi if someone better came along next season? Yeah. Probably not. I'd say, um, I don't know. It's a big risk. Um, we saw like a similar thing with Juve last year, taking Andrea Perlo on. Uh, big risk for a guy that hasn't coached like a, a first team in like a top flight or anything to just give them a go, you know, at a club like, of that size of like the size of Juve or the size of Barca. That's true, I know yeah. he's played for them. No, I know like people like Xavi and Perlo are club legends, but it just doesn't always translate. It doesn't it add up. While. I mean, at least Xavi's had uh, professional experience in Qatar yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's kind of is my point though. Yeah. Is that yeah. going to translate to La Liga for yeah. in the top five biggest clubs in the world? He'll definitely, there'll be a bump when he comes in for sure because the guys want to play for him. They want to impress him. And yep. he has good ideas as well. But yeah, it's going to be the longevity and the length of the season. Are I Barcelona think, going to miss the top four? Perhaps, yeah. Part of me feels like this was the final kind of, uh, like the last kind of, the last brick falling for Barcelona. As in their kind of, they're accepting now. Like by sacking Komen, they're now fully accepting or by bringing Xavi in, they're fully accepting their situation. Yeah. It's a total rebuild. Yeah. There's no kind of, uh, there's no kind of uh, salvaging this at the moment. It's going to be a slow build. They're going to have to work towards getting their shit together. And uh, they'll probably give Xavi the time to do that, I'd say. Yeah. They've got a quad. They've got four really good, exciting young players in their ranks. So I think if you can build a team around those four, let them develop and mature into their roles. Yeah. These guys can be a force in three years. Of course they are. Yeah, for sure. Have you got anything else on uh, Spain or El Clasico before? No, just that Batis is emerging as a real good smoky to make the champions league. And that'll be really cool. Yeah. All right. There you go. Fair enough. So, I'll move on to, I uh, wanted to do a little bit of Italy again because uh, we talked a little bit about it last, last week or the week before because there's been a lot of drama lately and it was no different on the weekend. The Derby d'Italia took place um, Inter versus Inter hosting Juve um, in which the Inter manager Simone Inzaghi was one of three managers this weekend in Italy to be given a red card and sent away from the bench. Um, just absolute scenes into giving away a penalty, which it, it was a penalty when you look at it on replay. Like, they can't have too many. Yeah, I thought so. I did not think so whatsoever. No? I just, I can't see how... It kicks him in the leg. I can't see how his, his action, though, interferes with anything that the guy was attempting to do. He was just merely trying to block a shot on goal. The, the the Juventus player was not shooting at goal. He was just trying to get a touch on the ball. It, there's minimal. It does, minimal to me, it looks like a. It looks like he's trying to play at the ball and misses it and gets him in the leg. It looks like I, it looks like he's blocking it to me. I, and there and there is minimal contact there. And there's even arguments: was it in the box? Was it on the line? Well, on the line. On the line is in. Yeah, it depends where you where you draw where the foul occurs. Like at what point yeah. does the foul well, occur? They showed like there was one angle they showed from like almost right above the penalty box. Because when I was initially watching it, I was like, no, that's a free kick. Like that's that's outside. Like that's iffy. But then watching it on a – they showed this one angle where it was like kind of uh, what little contact there is. The contact is just inside the line, like into the box. But – I don't know. It just, either way, I don't think it's one of those decisions that's kind of like that warrants the reaction <laughs> that Simone Inzaghi had. Like it's a bore, it, like you said, like you don't think it is. I thought it might be. Um, 
it kind of seems pretty borderline and he just like loses the plot, gets himself like sent off. Like, I don't know, just pretty I don't poor. Know. I, I kind of sympathize with him because that kind of, deci- like, how does I that don't, warrant, I don't sympathize with him at all. warrant a penalty? Like even just the action and the, you know, the context of the situation where there are seven interplayers behind the ball and this guy, the, the attacking player is merely... He's not doing anything with the football whatsoever. He's kicked it out of play, basically. The yeah. guy hasn't kicked him in any way. The guy He hasn't fouled him. He hasn't stopped him from doing what he's doing. It's just a clash of legs because he's trying to block the football that he's striking. It's, and to give a penalty when they're 1-0 up in the 87th minute, which then you know gives Juventus the point, I don't know. Uh, this, is what, this is why I hate penalties so much. It's just, it does not warrant Juventus getting a point out of this game. And that's how I see the decision. What did warrant them getting a point out of this game, though, was like them playing better than Inter for most of the game. They can play better, but if they're not going to put the ball in the net outside of this borderline decision, do they deserve, the, do they deserve anything out of it? Maybe not. I don't know, but I, but I don't... Um... I can't sympathize at all with Simone Inzaghi though, because his reaction is obviously like his reaction is a buildup of his own frustrations. He's feeling the pressure because obviously Inter won the league last year. They're stumbling a bit this season. Um, we saw the drama they had last week against uh, Lazio. Um, they've just, they've not been great. They've had patches where they score lots of goals and then they have patches where they just look a bit shit. Um, and I think he's feeling the pinch a bit and this might've been the straw that got him, but I don't know. It's just the one they, they I, have dropped nine points from winning positions already this season. So yeah, that's a lot for a side that wants to win the league. Yeah. So thoughts on the penalty aside, I don't think they're in a position where they can afford their manager being sent off like that and missing games now. I almost think it's a G up. I think the guys in the dressing room will appreciate him fighting on that. On that Maybe. Side. I know I would. If I was in the dressing room, I'd be like, eh, whatever. It is it. Like it is Serie A where it's all about the theater. Yeah. It's def- I mean, and we saw that in the Roma game where Joseph yeah. his marching orders. Yeah. So getting onto this one, Roma and Napoli. Uh-huh. Mourinho was given a yellow early in the first half. Um, and then he got a second one with 10 minutes to go. Uh, Roma looked like they were on the counter, and um, I can't remember who the player was that uh, he either he was either dispossessed or he was fouled. I don't know. I'd, I'd need to see it again. It didn't look wasn't blatantly obvious that it was a foul um, because the other team like kind of had the ball as soon as the guy hit the deck. I don't know. Like either way, Mourinho carries on, carries on the way he does. He ended up getting <laughs> second yellow. The referee had to wait a little while, and eventually the ball went out. And then he ran straight over. The fourth official obviously said something in his ear. Snitched on um, him. Snitched on him. <laughs> and Mourinho got sent. Um, and it was great. He just kind of like struts around like he owns the place in Rome. He really <laughs> accepted it. Hey, he it almost felt like he was angling. Well, he did. The um, he walked as he walked down the sideline towards the tunnel. He had this weird kind of like since like almost sincere face with like a sarcastic thumbs up to the referee as he's walking off, like saying like, good game. No, you're really good. You're a really good referee. Well done. Thank you. You're a really good ref. Cheers, ref. Good game. He's made for Italy, isn't he? He's just... He's made for it. Yeah. He's the perfect manager for that division. Well, he won a treble in Italy. He did. Probably his greatest achievement. Yeah. Um, And then the other one, uh, Spalletti. Luciano Spalletti, the Napoli manager was... He was sent... He got a red card. So after the game, um, I don't know if it's after the game. It's like ninety seventh minute. So I missed this because my recording. I had the game recorded, and uh, it bloody because you know. Oh, here we go. Here's here a bit we go. Of it. So I set my I set all of the Serie A to series link. Yep, on my good. Foxtel box. All right, so every game gets recorded. That's live. Um, but because games go for so fucking long now. Because the first half will go for 50 minutes because of VAR stoppages and then half time and then seven minutes of extra time in the second half. The recording uh, is cutting off kind of just into stoppage time and I'm missing the final moments. So 
Um, really frustrating. Why do games go so long? Why does VAR take so long? Why is everything fucked? God. You know why games go so long? IFAB came out today and announced that five substitutions will now be the norm throughout the European leagues and forever and ever. That's, yeah, that's fine. But that's still only, like, they're still only getting three windows to make them. You know, we're seeing games that go, how often are we seeing games now that go for like 96, 97 minutes? The Leeds game went to 96 minutes, yeah. It's crazy. And it's like some of the stoppages that take so long. And it's not the sub-stoppages because... Well, they allocate 30 Sure, there's a little bit extra. Yeah, sure. But um, like, but then we have games like like Chelsea Norwich on the weekend. There was there was a red card, like five goals, and a bunch of subs made in the second half. And I think the referee played like played like just under three minutes of extra time. Just wanted to get out of there. Just get him out. Yeah, Rest like, yeah. This is a a bit of a theme lately. So yeah, so I've gone off a bit of on a bit of a rant there because my Foxtel box will not automatically record until that it doesn't recognize that the game is still going all right we're gonna start a campaign you know the program is like you know digitally set up so it just fucking cuts it off i don't know just so annoying annoying to miss stoppage time and miss key what if there was a winning goal what if there was a winning goal and i missed it and then i you know you sit there and you watch a 90 minute game and then you have to go youtube watch the what's like highlights to catch the last minute get out they're shooting themselves in the foot aren't they they yeah. want us to go on the internet. Yeah. Last little Italian note was um, uh, Milan. I, I know I always talk about Milan, but this time it's because they they blew a they blew a 2-0 lead to they blow a 2-0 lead or were they oh, I can't remember now. Either way, Bologna had nine men and they and they equalized it to all. Um they got two red cards and they were both red cards. There's no arguments. They did try to argue because it's Italy and you argue everything. That's of what you're meant you do. to do. You gesticulate with your hands pinched. That's what you do. Yeah. You're meant to argue everything. So yeah, two all. And then Milan got two late goals. But interesting, interestingly, Ibrahimovic scored and he also scored an own goal, which I think is his first ever. His first ever. The man's 40. He scored over a thousand goals and this yeah. guy's just scored his first own. Yeah. Ridiculous. Did you also see that um, Sassuolo's victory over Juventus this morning? It was I the first time Sassuolo has ever beaten Juventus in uh, Serie A. Was it really? The first time, home and away. There you go. There's Great a, win. Yeah. There's a good little stat. Yeah. Yeah. That's a positive note to maybe end on. Yeah, maybe. I just had one more thing that was pretty interesting um, because this came up on, I follow this page called Italian Football TV, IFTV. They're an American page. They do like an American uh, Serie A podcast. But cool. they posted this thing about AC Milan's failed number nines. The last AC Milan number nine to hit double figures in Serie A was Filippo Inzaghi in 2009. Shit. That goes back a while. Probably too yeah. long. Yeah. Who's been their number nine since? None in the last decade. So on this list, we have Alessandro Pato, who scored under uh, 10 goals in 12 yeah. 13. Poor guy, injury hampered, had the talent. He had some seasons where I think he did score more than that, but he was wearing number seven. Oh, um, right. Okay. Yeah. So this technicality. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. Wearing number nine, no one has scored uh, double double figures. Um, other ones on the list, Alessandro Matri, Fernando Torres is on there, okay. Mattia Destro, uh, Luis Adriano, Gianluca Lapadula. A lot of people won't recognize these names, but these are kind of uh, some of those names that just get around Serie A clubs a fair bit. Uh, Andre Silva, who's now doing pretty well for himself in Germany at Frankfurt, I think. Uh, Gonzalo Higuain didn't manage it. Wow. Uh, Christoph Piotek, who was tipped to be an absolute superstar and just didn't. And then it's a bit harsh to put him on the list, but Mario Mandzukic in his four months of loan last year where he was injured, <laughs> did, not, did not get double figures. And their current number nine is Olivier Giroud. So, okay. How many has he got? Do you know? Uh, a couple, right? Oh, he's got a couple. Yeah. He could probably get more. I think he'll get more. He's just one of those players. 
right spot, probably, right time. He could probably do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I'll back him in. I'll back him in to do it. Back him in. First one in twelve years. I've already. I've already backed Timo Werner in to score a. 11 Premier League goals this year, this season. So I might as well back Giroud in to get 10 Good luck with goals. Him. Good luck yeah. with him sitting in the stands. Yeah, I know. Have, uh, have you got anything else you wanted to talk about this fine week? Yep. Just quick shout outs. Josh Cavallo news. Awesome. Legend. Fantastic. And just the reaction from football worldwide is, is yeah. Even even in Australia, just the amount of attention that it's got as well. He was yep. doing fielding interviews everywhere, Channel Ten, SBS, ABC. Like this, it's big news, and it's 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 hard because it shouldn't be big news, but it is big news because he's the first one to do it. He's gonna have to cop a little bit for it, but he's you know why something. it's big? It's big news because well, I was gonna say in the I know we were just gonna kind of shout it out, and not really talk about it, but. When you go on social media and there were posts about it and the comment sections in your typical places, like, although there was someone like ABC Sport, 5AA, The Advertiser, places like this, some of the comments, an absolute mess of just absolute wankers. Yeah. And I guess they kind of proved the point of why this is needed. Why it is such big news, yeah. And if anyone listened to what, it's because people just neglect the way other people feel about things. So everything Josh said in his video about how he feels and about like the pressures in society were just proven by people in those comments, just being dickheads. Mm-hmm. So that's why it is a thing. You're right. It shouldn't need to be a thing that you come out or whatever. It should just be a normal thing, but it's not considered a normal thing by a lot of people because a lot of people are dickheads. Basically, there was a lot of that, wasn't there? There was um, there was people asking, okay, when when are the other guys going to come out as hetero? And it's like, well, why why would they need to? That's yeah. that's the that's the assumed norm in sport. Like point the point going straight over your head. Yeah, precise, just reinforcing exactly why this is such yeah. a big, the first openly like uh, gay man in professional football. Yeah, is a huge fucking deal. Yeah. One of those things, like how many people go to watch like local game on the weekend and they like call it like they call people, oh, you fucking faggot, shit like that. Like, oh, yeah, just without, like, like fairies or pansy or just these kind of terms as without well. kind of, uh, you know, without even considering that, like, like I said, just neglecting how other people feel about things just because you don't feel that way about it, you're not upset by it, doesn't mean other people aren't, yeah, you know, that, so just. That- it's that thing of like, when you ask who cares, it's like, just <laughs> you asking who cares is legitimate, but at the same time, lot, like, lots of people care. Yeah. <laughs> like no this, one, this number one rule, people. number one rule, just don't be a dickhead, eh? Pretty much. God. It's like, if it doesn't affect you, maybe don't say, say anything. <laughs> yeah. But Mate. yeah, brilliant for, brilliant for Josh. Obviously looked like he was struggling a bit with it. Um, pretty overwhelming response, which is great. Oh, brilliant. Hope he has a, a banging year for us because he's an absolute star on the field, I think. Yeah, an absolute great utility footballer, man. Yeah. Which is great because, you know, he, he's he's obviously going to back it up on the pitch because he's a fantastic footballer. So yep. Yeah. I just quickly on him, I think he might be one of those unlucky players that sees a lot of bench time just because of his utility factor. Like how versatile he is, he can play so many different positions. So until mm. we get injuries and things, he'd probably be a bench player until he can, you know, and then he'll come on. He can fill in at left back, center mid. I wonder if he'll be our starting left like back. That. You think so? I reckon he's going to be our starting left back, yeah. I don't think so. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Who else is going to play in there? Javi. Mm. Lopez. Mm. <laughs> Lopez Goodwin, left side. But, you know, there's room there for rotation. Lopez can also play other spots, so... Who's playing right back? Oh, fuck knows. Maybe Yavi plays right and... I can't remember. Someone. We've got someone, don't we? I don't know. Shows what we know. Well, Ryan Strain's gone, so there's a gap to be filled. Yeah. Anyway, you got anything else? Is that it? No, just the sports flick owner came out this week asking for money, which is hilarious, given everything that happened with with the Champions League rights and... Yeah, it's just a mess. There's no need getting into this actually because they're going before 
court proceedings. No. Yeah, we won't get into it because there's a there's a funny story on the Sydney Morning Herald if you want to read it. Yeah. And I did ask, do you have anything else? And you said no, just this. No, just this, but nothing. I've just this, but nothing. Just I don't have anything, but I do have this. The Matildas were fantastic. Yeah, I forgot the Matildas. Fuck. Yeah, they were great. I watched the Saturday night game against Brazil. Um, I didn't see the second game, but yeah, second game. Yeah, equally as excellent. Great theater. When we play Brazil, it's always such a great occasion. Mary Fowler is wicked. Sam Kerr's got forty nine goals. Yep, Australia. She's going to be the all time Australian top scorer very very soon. She will. Ellie Ellie Carpenter is just phenomenal. What a um. I saw a a massive, massively positive response online from fans, um, people who were at the games and stuff, who said the Matildas post-game were just so generous with their time and stuff. And they were, like, giving away boots to, like, young girls and stuff, giving away shin pads, giving away, like, just about everything they had. So, like, um, they spent ages out there signing, like, signing things and giving autographs. So... That's excellent. Love that. Go the Matildas. Yep. Team of the people. Team of the people. For the Women's World Cup. And just the football they were playing as well. was just the second goal they scored against Brazil on Tuesday was outstanding. Like, what a goal, man. 17 passes. Mary Fowler picks it up inside, turns the outside, sprays the ball back out to the wide left. Just brilliant. That's so good to watch. Excellent. We might wrap it there then, eh? Big week. Have you got anything else? Yes, no. No. (laughs) That was massive. No, just this. Just this. No, but just nothing. Bye. Ciao.